This is from, from Acts 2, 42 to 47. They, meaning the early Christian community, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at, at the, um, just a minute, I gotta move my pictures, at, at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Lord, your, your word is, is before us. And, and you tell us this is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in righteousness so, so that as men and women of God, we will be thoroughly equipped in every good work. So we pray now that you will take these words off the page, off the screen, and sow them deep in our hearts. Speak, Lord, because your servants are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I was thinking about the, the, the church in New York City, I, I, I looked up one of the earliest Christian church, churches, which was started before New York was called New York, when it was called New Amsterdam. And, and it was begun by Dutch Christians. And this, this is the um, old first reformed in 1666 in Park Slope, Brooklyn. It looks like this now. And a good friend of mine, um, was the, the pastor there. And as the church grew, it grew not just in buildings. In fact, at the turn of the 20th century in the 1900s, churches were the tallest buildings in New York City. Um, now Brooklyn's starting to look like Manhattan, I see. Um, and I was recently up the Empire State Building, and um, it's not even near the tallest anymore. So as we as we come to to this this text, I, I want to in, invite you to think a little more broadly about what the scripture is saying. We usually think of this only as the internal life of the church, but I want to suggest that 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 what Luke is writing here about these these marks of the early church is more than just what was happening internally. It was also what was happening externally. It, it was not only an inward journey of what God was doing in the lives of believers, but it was a, an outward journey of what believers were doing in the world. And I think I can show you from the um, scripture how I know that's true, because it says that they, meaning the early Christians, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So in some way, what they were doing internally was affecting um, the, the city of Jerusalem externally as well. In, in a profound book by a church historian, Michael Green, 30 Years That Changed the World, he, he writes, 
They dwell in their own countries uh, simply as sojourners. As citizens, they share in all things with others, yet endure all things as foreigners. They marry as do all. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring as, as the Romans have been doing. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They pass their days on earth, but they're citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws and at the same time surpass the laws by their lives. They're poor, yet make many rich. They lack are in lack of all things, yet about in all, abound in all. They're dishonored, yet in their very dishonor are glorified. They are evil spoken of, yet they are justified. They are reviled and blessed. They're insulted and pay back insult with honor. They do good, yet are punished by evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. They're assailed by the Jews as foreigners and persecuted by the Greeks. Yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for hatred. And Green concludes, such was the lifestyle that won the ancient world. And, and, and the point in, in this, this whole profound book is that the early Christians were not starting another religion. But as we see in Acts 8, they were starting a new way of life. In fact, be, before Christians were called Christians, they were called the way. They were called the way because what, what they were doing was a new way of life. And this text give us, gives us some insights um, to, to, that, to that new way of life that they were living. And, and I, I, I want to kind of push some of the exegetical boundaries here to think a little more broader about this than we usually do. But first of all, they were devoted. They devoted themselves to these four things we see here, often called the vital signs of the healthy church, right, to the apostles' teaching fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. They, they gave their lives to it. We've all seen people who are devoted to their sports teams, devoted to sports, devoted to their job at the cost of everything else. Hopefully, you're all devoted to their family. Uh, we even talk about um, our a quiet time or, or time with the Lord every day as, as devotion. So, we give God a few minutes, and that's our devotions. Hopefully, we have devotions as a family. But this went way beyond that. This, they were devoted to a lifestyle. They were devoted to a, a new way of living. And, and that, that began with the apostles' teaching. Now, of course, they didn't have the New Testament at this time. They, they had the Old Testament scriptures. But, but, but I, I, would, I would like for us to think of, of the apostles' teaching uh, as the whole word of God as we have it today. So all of the scriptures, the Old Testament, the, the, the New Testament, all, all of what Timothy says is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us in, in righteousness. But, but the fact that they were devoted to it, what, is, what does that mean? Does that mean that they went to a lot of um, Bible studies? Does that mean that they studied it deeply like the Jewish rabbis did? 
I think Jesus' parable of the two builders gives us some insight to, to what the devotion means. And um, yeah, I don't know, we probably can't interact too much now, so I'll skip the interaction. But, but you know the story of the two builders, right? There was uh, the, the, one, um, the, the one built on the rock, the one built on the sand. And um, when the storm came, the one who built on the sand, the house fell, and the one built on the rock, the house stood. But, but the point that Jesus makes about the two builders, the difference between them, they both heard the word of God. They, we could put it in today's terms, they both went to church. They both heard the sermon. They, they both maybe went to Bible study. But the one, the difference between them is the one put it into practice. I love that word, practice. So devotion to the apostles' teaching doesn't mean I just have it all in my head, but that I, I'm living it in my life. The one who built on the rock was, was putting it in, into practice. That's the difference. So living out of the gospel in, in every part of life. And, and I believe Jesus makes that, that point in the Great Commission even. And I, I want to give you a few examples to think about. We know this. Go make disciples of all nations. All right. So make disciples. How, how are we going to do that? Well, baptizing them and then teaching them to obey everything. Well, how are we going to baptize? Well, we got to lead them to Christ. We got to share the gospel with them. So making disciples is the big mission of the church. And, and, and it begins... It, it begins with leading someone to the place where they can commit their lives to Christ, see that God has been calling them, know God's unconditional love. And, and I, I believe the, the first step of being the wise builder, of being devoted to the apostles' teaching, is being able to share the gospel with someone. And I ask you, can you do that now? If you met somebody at the bus or at the Starbucks or next to you sitting on the subway and somehow you got in a conversation and then say, oh, you're, you're, you're a Christian. What does that mean? Could you in 30 seconds or 30 minutes share a clear presentation of the gospel with them? I love to do it in five words. I'll give you my five words. Creation, God made it all. Sin can talk about the brokenness we see around us in so many ways. Salvation, how God came to rescue us through Jesus, who takes all of our sin upon himself, who takes the wrath of God on himself, that, that we can be born against the Spirit of God. Service, I'm kind of using the Heidelberg Catechism there, sin, salvation, service, uh, about how then we're saved, not just so we can go to heaven, but so we can serve and then the final word is new, new creation, and that Jesus is coming back to make all things new and how we get to experience that in, in part now. They're the five words I use, and, and I, can, I can share that with a napkin with somebody on, and a napkin in the coffee shop, creation, sin, salvation, service, new creation, back to the beginning. 
but but devotion to the apostles' teaching means that 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 we're able to to share the gospel in that kind of way. Um, and then Jesus says, teaching them to obey. And I think one of the challenges we've had in the Christian church, and I've seen in many Christian churches, is that is that we're we're good at teaching, but we don't always teach people to obey because teaching to obey is the wise builder who puts the word into practice. Teaching to the obey is the devotion to the uh, apostles' teaching. Teaching to obey leads someone to what Paul says, to being formed in Christ, to having the attitude of Christ. And and in in all of the years I've been a pastor, it's grieved me so that that the the church, we're, we're, we're big at events, we're big at programs, we're big at dinners, we're big at all kind of stuff, and we're often failing to make disciples. So I, I want to encourage you as, as a body of, of believers, of good news church, you've got the good news of who is discipling you so you can grow deeper in Christ, and who are you discipling? If, if every one of us was doing this with just one person, it, it, the, the number of believers would, would just multiply like it did in the early church. It wasn't just the apostles doing this. This is everyone doing this together. If, if I could do a do-over and um, start over in my pastoral ministry, one thing that I would... Um, let me let this person in, that, that I would figure out how to do is to disciple well every one of my elders and deacons before they started as an elder and deacon. Disciple them deeply. Um, the, the one pastor I know of in this area is Pastor Jay Park of Grace Community Chapel in Teaneck now. And from the very beginning, I coached Pastor Jay years ago when he, he was just planning that church, but but he 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 built into their DNA a, a deep discipleship, a deep devotion to the apostles' teaching. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And again, I, I want to pick up the, the last sentence of our text. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, and because of that, in addition to the apostles' teaching, the Lord added to their number. The word here, fellowship, is koinonia, and it, it, it means a, a sharing my life with someone and allowing someone to share their life with me. It's, it's that, that deep sense of, of community. It's more than just the, the, the kumbaya. It's real deep community. And in the text, I, I I don't want to jump all the way back to it because I don't have it. But 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 in the entire text that we were looking in Acts 2 there, we, we saw that, that it said that the believers, they not only shared stuff with themselves, but they shared with anyone in need. So in, in some ways, the community they had with, it, with each other was expanding to others around them. It also says they enjoyed the, the favor of all the people. So, so in some ways, they were finding favor with others, not just with believers, but with other people. 
And we see that the Lord was adding daily to their number, those who were being saved. Why? Because they were living out a new way of life where they were, not just when they got together on Sunday. You're scattered all over New York. That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because as you live your life, your family, as, as, as you, you live for Christ with the attitude of Christ at your places of work and, and as your community, others will see that. As you expand your Good News Church community to in, include others, others will see that. I, I love in, in um, Matthew where Jesus has dinner at Matthew's house. And the text says that there were many tax collectors and sinners there. So I want to ask you, who are the tax collectors and sinners you're hanging out with in your life? So often in the church, we, we, we suffer from what I call, um, I, I, I forget the name of it, but, but we just hang out with Christians. Everybody we hang out with is Christians. Uh, for a number of years, I was a volunteer paddler for New York Swim. And New York Swim organized swims around Manhattan Island and then from Battery Park to Sandy Hook. And, and, and one, one year, so I, I would be in deep fellowship with this swimmer because my kayak was his moving buoy or hers for the length of the swim. But um, one, one year I paddled for a Jewish opera singer from Brooklyn. I can't remember his name, but he went from Battery Park to, to Sandy Hook. And, and I tried to use that time. I, I let him know, not, not in a preachy way, that I was a Christian. I prayed a psalm over him. I asked him, would you like me to pray? Um, and, and, and he welcomed that. So, so creating places of fellowship. In Acts chapter 8, we see that Philip is in Samaria, and he preached the word. The Lord was doing signs and wonders among the people, and there's this beautiful line, there was great joy in the city. What will it take for there to be great joy in, in New York City? Because you exist as Good News Church, because you are the presence of the body of Christ. Paul wrote to the Galatians, and, and he says, now in Christ, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female. You are all one in Christ. Racial barriers, class barriers, gender barriers get, get broken down in Christ, not only among those who are in the body, but with others as well. One, one book, I, I just actually love, love the title kind of part of the, the new monastic movement that Shane Claiborne and some others lead is the Intentional Christian Community Handbook, but I love the subtitle, For Idealists, Hypocrites, and Wannabe Disciples of Jesus, of, 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 of living out um, a, a way of life together, of living it out. And the challenges today of race, of community, of, of the reality of needing to say Black Lives Matter, Unborn lives matter. Asian lives matter um, for very specific reasons. You are the body of Christ. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, I know the breaking of bread here is usually interpreted as the Lord's Supper and their worship life together. And 
I agree with that interpretation, but I want to suggest that it, it is also more. Because in the Lord's Supper, when Jesus, that scripture says he took bread, he blessed it, he, he, he broke it. As he, he takes us, he calls us to himself. He blesses us. We're blessed to be a blessing. He broke it, recognizing the, the reality of the, the brokenness of sin in our lives and in the world. Um, we, we, we sang that last song uh, about um, being in our brokenness. And then he gave it. He gave it. And as he, 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 he gives his body to us and we receive it, then we are there to, to give that to the world. One of my early catechism books as a kid was called Save to Serve, right? We're saved so, so that, that we can serve. Um, he gives us to the world. And so I, I want to suggest that, that, that what we see here is more than just our worship life together. It's how as Jesus nourishes us, then he sends us out to be that bread of life in the world. I, I think the prophet Isaiah gives us a hint of that as we see um, in Isaiah 58, is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen to loose the chains of injustice and tie the cords of the yoke, set the oppressed free, break every yoke, to share your food with the hungry, provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. And as Jesus says in Matthew, as you've done it to the least of these, you've done it to me. As Jesus nourishes us in the breaking of the bread, he, he sends us out to be the breakers of bread in the world. How, how are you breaking bread with, with the world around you? How are you doing that? The text says they met together with glad and sincere hearts eating in their homes. And I can only imagine that they welcomed others who hadn't yet come to Christ in, in, their, in their home. There's one ministry that, that we have here in Patterson called City Relief, it used to be called New York City Relief, and that, 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 that helps folks break bread with broken people on the streets of New York and on the streets of Patterson. In, in fact, they meet weekly in Chelsea, they're in Tribeca, they're in Harlem and, and other places and, and invite Christians to come together to do this, just to, to, to share your food with the hungry in, in a very relational way. For years, the Christian Reformed churches in Northern New Jersey for over 35 years until the pandemic hit did, did a winter shelter for individuals who are homeless in partnership with one of our missions here, Good Shepherd Mission. And every night of the week from November to March, 10 men who were pre-screened would sleep in one of those churches, would eat with folks from that church. Relationships were developed. People, some heard the gospel, some recommitted to Christ. People found jobs. People got in drug and alcohol rehab centers. And it was just a, a living out of, of this reality, a, a, a living out of it. One of my 
good good friends um, who is not a Christian um, just recently had his toe amputated from diabetes. And I was able to just go to his house and spend time with him. And I, I, I reflected on how important it is for us to have relationships. And you probably all do if you think of work relationships or people in your neighborhood, but, but of some individual who is not a Christian that, that we can in some way break bread with, or even now you can have coffee with outdoors, wearing your mask, or, or we'll see in a moment um, to, to pray for. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, I was asking, what, what can I, I, I tell folks in, in a mostly, I'm not all I know, but Korean congregation about prayer. I mean, you guys have so much to, to teach um, us uh, about prayer. But it seemed that the early Christians, as they continued to meet in the temple courts, um, had a devotion to prayer that went further than just meeting in the temple courts. It, it, it was a devotion of, of prayer with each other, but, but, but I see it as also praying for the world around them. Um, Paul would write to the Thessalonians to, to rejoice always and pray continually. How do you do that? It, it's, it's like breathing. You breathe continually, yet you're not always thinking about breathing. Of, 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 of praying continually, that, that, that we are living in such a reality and awareness of our relationship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, speaking and listening um, to the Lord as, as we, we live our life. As the Holy Spirit might prompt you to, to pray for someone at work. I, I know one teacher in a public school system who cannot pray formally with her students, but, but is, is, is able to pray for them in her mind all the day long, all the day long. One way we, we, we have sought to um, pray continually is, is prayer walking in our neighborhood here. And, and, and now when we don't have groups out prayer walking together, on, on, on the walk, as I, I take a morning walk, I, I, I pray. I pray for folks who live in the houses I pass. I pray for people on the street. If I meet someone I know, I might ask them, um, because most of them know I'm a pastor. I lived in this neighborhood for over 40 years. But I, I ask, would you like me to pray for you? And, and I'm always amazed at, at folks who, who do not know Jesus, folks who don't even believe in, in Christ, will welcome someone to pray for them. All of you have individuals you know at work and in other places who will tell you concerns and troubles and maybe family members and issues of their life. Um, my wife and I have found it is such a simple question. And, and we taught this folks at Madison Ave to do this all through the years to, to simply ask, would you like me to pray for you? And don't tell them you will pray for them. Do it then. Do it then. It doesn't have to be a long prayer. 
it, 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 they don't have to be in the hospital. You can be in the office, you can be on the phone, you can be on Zoom. And, and this kind of devotion to prayer will enable you to bring someone into the presence of God who, who may have no idea that they could even go there. It is such a, a, a step to, to pre-evangelism. But, but we, have, we have tried to do this, and, and perhaps this is something you can do in New York. Um, a, a group of us pray with our mayor once a month. We're doing it on Zoom. Now we're back in his office. Is there a politician or a, a borough leader? Um, most politicians have never had to ask Christians. And, and the, the, the scripture, Timothy says to do this, pray for those in authority. I've never had anyone ask, would you like us to come once a month to pray for you, to pray for you? It is so, it is so simple and it is so profound. But the, but the last way I want to challenge you in this prayer to pray to see the Lord adding numbers, those who are being saved, is to challenge each of you to be praying daily or at least weekly for one or two individuals you know who don't know Christ, to, to, to pray for them, to pray for the Holy Spirit to use you, maybe somebody else, to, to intersect in their lives. And God may give you the opportunity to go beyond prayer, to go to the breaking of the bread, to go to a place of fellowship with them, to sharing the gospel with them, but beginning by praying for them, by praying for them. They devoted themselves to these things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And look at the result. The Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved. There's something about these four elements that work together to use those early Christians to see the church just multiplying exponentially. What was true then is also true today. The Lord did it then. And the Lord will do it now. Amen. Let's pray together. Dear Lord, we, we thank you for, for this scripture. We thank you for this beautiful exponential growth of the early church we see in the book of Acts, dear Lord. And, and um, we, we look at it then and, and, and say, Lord, why, why can't that happen now? And it can. It can. You are still working. You are still at work. These, the, 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 these foundations of, of both our inner life and our outer life are, are still just as real. So I pray for this congregation. I, I pray for the body of Christ, the Good News Church, dear Lord. I, I pray that they too, each one individually and together, will be devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to the fellowship within the church and outside of it, devoted to the, 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 the breaking of bread, their, their life and community and, and worship together, um, but, but also how that connects to, to others and, and, and to a life of prayer, dear Lord, of who you would have them praying for, interceding for, bringing before the throne of God and praying 
for the Holy Spirit to open up hearts and lives. And so we receive this word from you today, and we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.